You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everyone, and welcome to issue 26. He's going to go with it anyway. Coming to you on Wednesday, May 18th, 2011. I hope everybody enjoyed our special supersized episode last week, but we're back to our normal set here with myself, Vince, as the host, and Roger right back where he belongs co-hosting. That's not nice. That's not nice. Actually, we got tons of mail, tons of emails saying that it was much better with me hosting than with you. Four of them to me. Two, maybe four. I don't know. None. How many? Maybe. Your mom? <laughs> Actually, I got a couple of Twitters that I did all right. <laughs> just, just work on that uh, that timeline there, buddy, and we'll talk later. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we have an interesting episode set up here. Uh, we're doing something rare for us, actually, and talking about DC. And with DC, they just finished up their big post-Blackest Night year-long event under the Brightest Day banner. And I know, Roger, you actually, the whole War of Light and the lead-up to the Blackest Day were the first comics you had read in years, correct? Uh, well, relatively speaking. I mean, I'd gone and done all of the, the X-Men stuff, the Astonishing X-Men that you told me about. And then I kind of poked around a little bit here and there, um, reading basically odd titles to get kind of caught up. But then the War of Light was one of the ones that had really caught my attention. You'd mentioned it as well, too. And it was it was somewhat daunting just because of the the size of it. When you start looking at every single tie-in for that sucker, it was absolutely monstrous. And so that's what I decided to tackle. And it took me a bloody long time to get through every single one. But I did. I read the entire Warlight. I read every single tie-in. I if if it had you know light or rings attached to it, I was there. And. Um, and, and again, it was daunting at times. There, there were some of the tie-ins that were, as you obviously know, really very loosely tied in. I mean, it's just a matter of them wanting to slap that War of Light kind of logo on it. Um, th- there really wasn't much in terms of any continuity that really mattered. And I was hoping that wasn't going to be the case with this one. And I, I see, I don't feel that this is a separate event for them i it still feels like the very same one only finally coming to a close you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so it it was more of like a final chapter than the next thing oh exactly it it certainly didn't feel like it was something completely different for them And and i'll be happy when they do finally tackle something completely different not that i have a problem with this but you know what enough's enough okay we've had enough power rings to last us for a while but in terms of finishing everything off i think it did a good job i mean we're obviously going to get more into that but it was again i think just a a post-mortem call it, then it was something completely different. All right. Well, DC has uh, a history of some very interesting publishing decisions with uh, not necessarily their events, but the things right before and right after their events. Um, 
after Infinite Crisis, they released a miniseries called 52, which came out every single week for a year. And it was this great little anthology miniseries. Honestly, I think it's one of the best things DC has done in recent years. I really enjoyed that one. And then uh, a little while after that, leading up to Final Crisis, they had another one called Countdown, which started from issue 51 and then went down to zero again, coming out every week. And that one was not good. So here with Brightest Day, it came out twice a month, getting 24 issues out in a year's time span. And I, I like the way it flowed. It really gave you something to look forward to, especially with its sister series, which we'll be talking about later. And Brightest Day was written by Jeff Johns, of course, the mastermind behind the whole War of Light, Blackest Night, all that stuff, as well as uh, Peter J. Tomasi, who was writing the backup Green Lantern uh title, Green Lantern Corps, and a whole slew of artists, uh, chiefly among them Ivan Rias, who from Blackest Night. So we really get that, like you said, the carrying forward of the Blackest Night story into its next chapter. And it follows the White Lantern and several of the heroes that were resurrected by it. It was, uh, well, not, not just heroes, heroes and villains. There were 12 of them all together. Some of them told their stories off in other comics. Here we were focusing mainly on Dead Man as well as uh, him teaming up with Hawk and Dove, Hawk himself being uh, returned. And that was really more of a framing device, setting up the four larger stories, focusing on Aquaman, Firestorm, Martian Manhunter, and Hawkman and Hawk Girl. And I like how it, it started off as an anthology, giving like, you know, five or six pages each issue to each story. But when it really came together for me was in issue seven, when the lantern and the ring sent out the messages to each of the returned characters and really gave a cool look at where the story was going. And then from there, it just seemed to pick up pace for me. And I, I loved e parts of each of the individual stories. Was the one that really kind of stood out for you? You know what? You were saying that we're going to tackle the Justice League Generation Lost later. However, because of how I read this, the two for me are so completely intertwined that it's hard to tell where one left off and the other one began. Like I read this chronologically with every single tie-in in terms of if, if there was a tie-in in Teen Titans kind of thing, I read that and then it blended into the, um, the the Brightest Day and then blended into Generation Loss and whatnot. And reading it like that, you really, really appreciate the coordination that took part between everybody writing this and just how good a job they did with this. Because when comparing this to the War of Light, yes, I, I, I do think of it as an ending to War of Light, but I mean, if you put it in and of itself, the writing and coordination amongst all the writers and for all the, the, the tie-ins was so much better. And I don't know if it's because they they picked up on the mistakes they made with War of Light and they, they improved upon it or, or, or who knows, or it could just be that it was smaller in scope. Although even that is kind of hard to, to really say, honestly, the scope of this, when you're looking at the tie-ins and how many issues we're looking at, 111, there's a ton going on here. And when you look at it in terms of then when you're following it through, I cannot even imagine reading this just the Brightest Day series in and of itself and it actually being 
something of the breadth of which I experience reading all of the tie-ins. Because when you're reading through all of the tie-ins and you're, again, you're appreciating what went into each one of them and, and the character-wise and, and how good the stories were in each. And yes, even in the Titans one, I, I got to say, even in the Titan ones, you're it was well done. There were so many stories that had me kind of stopping and just again and i've made it clear in other episodes as well and in everything i appreciate good writing and some of these the writing was so good i mean when you're seeing the stuff with uh johns when he's on uh mars and he's basically being uh mind controlled by the other martian and all of the stuff that's going on there and you know that it's not actually happening because there's the obvious dead giveaway right away. But then even after that, there's things going on and it's like, okay, you, you, you know that this isn't real, but for him it is. And that allows them to take liberties to tell these amazing stories that they don't have to worry about it fitting into the canon because it's just a fantasy for him or the future visits when um, um, Adam, Adam, dude, uh, yeah. when he's going to the future Love and, those. and you're seeing these things. And I think that those issues with him in the future, I believe those were actually the most powerful in the entire series when you're seeing what's going on there. And I really wish some of them could have been longer when he was in the future, make them double issues kind of things to really, really have fun. I mean, when you're seeing that superhero Justice League team from the future that is a post-apocalyptic and you've got Damien as Batman who has been going into the <laughs> well to stay young and, and all this other stuff. And it's like, man, I wish they would have taken more than the few pages that they did on that. So again, when you're looking at it in terms of all the tie-ins, I really can't speak highly enough of this one. And I did enjoy The War of Light, though nowhere near as much as this in terms of how good a job they did from beginning to end on everything. So uh, just trying to bring it back into the actual Brightest Day series itself, because I know a lot of people who only read the Brightest Day series. And I do have to agree, there was a lot of great interplay between the titles. Um, I thought it was really cool how we had in Brightest Day when Batman had the ring for a second oh, and it suddenly yeah. restored his memories and then he showed up over in Generation Lost. Really, again, great work uh, overall tying it together. Lots of good coordination. And I, I can't praise that enough. But looking at Brightest Day itself, again, it told these five unique stories in and of itself. And... I liked some more than others. Um, the Martian Manhunter one you mentioned, it was good. I just didn't enjoy it that much because as a character, Martian Manhunter is just one of those characters that's never really done it for me. Like I liked the the, the fantasy world part of it. Like, again, I've said over the years, I usually find DC's alternate universes and alternate realities more interesting than the actual one. And so I liked the, the dream sequence episode or issue there. But again, just the overall story from Martian Manhunter – I, I'm not into the character, so that one didn't really do it for me. Okay. I see. I We spent so much time watching the Justice League cartoons mm -hmm. with the kids, you know, and you really, really get attached to all the characters. I actually have more love for DC than you do, despite, you know, any bad issues that they've put out. I still do like them. I'm not going to say I like them more than Marvel, but I'm not going to say that I like Marvel more than them. So... 
I, I really have this, this place in my heart for a lot of the DC characters. And Martian Manhunter is actually one of those. And I think that there's a lot of episodes in that series as well as a lot of moments not there's it's he's not in a lot of different things in the comics but there's those very very powerful moments where you get a glimpse of the character a little bit more and if handled by again a proper writer they can do a lot with it and that's what we saw here in my opinion so me liking the character a little bit more already kind of set me up that yeah this was going to be much more powerful for me and i just loved it i I loved every aspect of it i thought they did such a good job with that that fantasy story for him as well as when he decides to go back to earth that he's going to make that his home and what he does from there on i thought again so well handled yeah i mean it, it fit the story and it worked I, again just as not really a fan of the character i i can't enjoy that one maybe as much as i did some of the others such as aquaman now again aquaman he he's freaking aquaman <laughs> So he's Aquaman. I'm sorry. But the way they wrote his story here really made me a big fan of Aquaman because I loved the whole thing going on here with Black Manta and Aqualad, who we've seen showing up now in the Young Justice cartoon and the whole war with Atlantis. And I absolutely loved the Aquaman portion of this storyline. And see, I enjoyed it, but I didn't enjoy it as much as some of the other ones. So again, it boils down to, you know, what your personal preferences are in terms of what characters you can relate to more. Certainly not saying I didn't enjoy that storyline. I did, but nowhere near as much as some of the others. All right. And aside from that, we had Firestorm, which it was entertaining, but the whole storyline as it was going on, it was it seemed like for me it was wasn't really so much telling its own story as it was really setting itself up for a future thing that's going on. Like we saw on the last issue, there's really a lot more going to be going on here for Firestorm. Like I love Deathstorm. I thought that was a cool character and seeing the two playing off each other was entertaining. Just his particular storyline, I don't think it played out enough in the Brightest Day miniseries. Again, trying to place just what was in Brightest Day is hard for me to do. From what I read, there was quite a bit there. I thought that they did a good job. Again, because I read, again, 111 issues there. So by the time (laughs) I got through it all, I got a lot of characterization for, for all of the characters. So when... I'm looking at those two. I think that they did a good job throughout all of that to change them from these these freaking punks that you want to slap upside the head and say, you can destroy the universe. Stop arguing for Christ's sakes. Um, all the way through to the end where you see them deal more with, with loss as well as dealing with what happened during the Blackest Night, etc., etc. So I thought they did a decent job. I, I don't think that the characters were particularly... There weren't characters that you really felt that invested in, and Mm -hmm. they weren't characters that you could relate to as much necessarily. There was a lot that was just, okay, you're you're whining. You're the the, stereotypical teenage whiny brat that you just want to schmuck upside the head. And then I think that they kind of overdid it as well. When they start talking about, you know, you have the big bang in you, and I'm thinking, hold on, what, what? No, 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 no. That you're 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 stretching it there. You're you're really stretching it, and so there was a, a few things where they, whereas some of the other characters were down to earth enough that you could care about them, you could relate to them. This was just I felt again either way too trippy or you're just kids that I want to schmuck upside the head. 
See, I think for me, it comes down to a pacing issue. And that's a word that we bring up a lot here on the show. And they spent way too much time with the early part of the relationship between Ronnie and Jason where they weren't getting along and they were constantly arguing. And then by the time the story got to the point where they were finally starting to to work together and really become a hero instead of just a superpowered character, then the story ended. And like I said, it, it seemed <laughs> like it was it was more set up for the eventual Firestorm, you know, ongoing series or whatever, which I'm sure would actually be pretty entertaining if it continues with the theme here. I just Again, it spent too much time with them whining and complaining and not as much time with them just going out there and being a hero. Well, when you're looking at some of the other storylines, too, you're looking at the storyline and the buildup. And for each one of them, I mean, let's be honest here. The buildup was insane. Yeah. The buildup was just you're you're on the edge of your seat like this is freaking cool. This is going to be awesome. And then some of the endings happen and it's like, wow. That yeah. was fantastic. And then here you've got them and they've built this up to be that these guys are the most powerful in the universe. These guys have the power to destroy the universe and be the only two left in it. They, they this, this goes beyond anything, beyond any comprehension of what power can be. They go up, there's, there's the explosion and then they go into the antimatter zone. Okay, cool. All right. Then, then, all right. Our universe is all right. You, you rode around it. Good for you. So they're in the antimatter and then they go to help out the other dudes that are there. And then they're chasing after the, the, the death flame. What was it called? Was it death, death flame? Death, death storm. Death yeah. storm. Death storm. Right. And I'm which thinking, was, uh, I'm sorry, just to interrupt for people who don't know, it was the black lantern version of firestorm, basically yeah. him gone completely evil and just unchained without remorse for any of his actions and saying dude a little too often. Uh, <laughs> Super, you know, villains, super villains should never say dude. But anyways, uh, so you're you're looking at this huge buildup to go fight these, not just that Black Lantern that's going to be insanely powerful, that sucked up the professor as well as um, Ronnie or the other one. Who's the other one again? Um, uh, Jason's dad. Yeah, it was it Jason's was. father. Yeah. And so, no, no, it was Ronnie's dad, wasn't it? Uh, but pick one, flip a coin. Whatever. <laughs> and so it's going to be, you know, you're building up to this huge huge ending and then um who's the big ass anti-matter dude um, the anti-monitor yeah yeah so you're thinking holy crap in hell this is going to be insane because you've already through either through a tie-in or was it in a, an actual um an actual issue of brightest day where um the uh, dead man goes up against him that was, was in early the on in the brightest day. Yeah, was it in the brightest day? Okay, so then you're seeing you you got to see through that just how powerful and how you know impossible it is going to be for them to beat him. So here you got again Ronnie Jason, and it's ramping up to be this insane ending. Professor dies. Uh, spoiler warning. Uh, turns into salt. You know, bring the fries um, and and all kinds and margaritas. Everything's ramping up, and then all of a sudden it's like bloop, done. Okay, yeah. you proved yourself. Oh, crap, we only have You're two gone. issues left. Time to end and it was like, what? What? <laughs> and that was it. And I was thinking, you're joking, right? Really? Seriously? This is this is how you're going to end what is has been kind of been wrapping up to be the most important one because it's the most important hero. And it's like, wow, you guys really do cater to young pubescent males because you don't know what a climax is. <laughs> 
Seriously, that's what it or felt like. They just like. reached it at the wrong time. Yeah, because it just, it was absolute just dead air. And all of a sudden it was like, you're kidding, that's it, really, seriously? I mean, luckily it didn't end there and there's still there was still a lot going on. But for that one storyline, it ended like it hit a brick wall. Yeah. And speaking of, I don't want to say disappointing stories, but it was kind of disappointing for me. We have the the final of the the four primary characters, and that's the Hawks, Hawkman and Hawk Girl. Yeah. And throughout the history of DC, I, I just on their own, like Hawkman when he was in uh, Justice Society, written by Jeff Johns, awesome. You know, Hawk Girl and her little Justice League elements, awesome. But whenever the story is involving the two of them together, it's just like pounding your head against the desk because it always follows the same themes. Oh, one of them can't remember the other. Oh, the, one of them's in love and the other one isn't. And you have this whole destiny and fate. And as soon as they finally come together, you know, one of them's going to die. It was just a very repetitive story with the two of them over the years. So we get their aspect where they go into this other world, the Hawk world. It was it was kind of messy, but I think they did a reasonable job explaining the complex backstory of the two characters for those who aren't aware. You know, they, they they established at least the major points, and it gave them a really good resolution. Um, the issue, uh, I think it was issue 18, where their story, their part of the story ended, I thought that was one of the best issues of the entire Brightest Day for me because it was such a big climax issue where these two characters who have been basically mistreated <laughs> it's like it, it it's like uh, rick in walking dead nothing good can ever happen to these two <laughs> characters and they they finally they've they've broken the threads of fate they 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 can go on and live their own lives and then the white ring disintegrated them i was like oh my god that that was really cool for me but then by the end of the miniseries right back where we started with only one of them being really involved in the story and chasing after the other. So I it I loved the full arc of their story up until the end, but it just seemed like it kind of hit the reset button on all the character development they did. See, I kind of felt that they didn't take enough time with them. I think that to really be able to give that story um, the attention that it deserves, it would have to be in its own little miniseries. It would have to be a lot more than this. I was surprised that they were going to tackle something that huge as a sidebar on a, a, a much larger story. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't think that it got what it deserved. That being said, it was still, it was good. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. And the irony of everything that happens and then losing her at the end anyway, it didn't bother me quite as much. I just, again, looked at it as, you know, literal irony that they tossed in there. Um, and in the foreshadowing is there enough that you, you kind of know, you know, there's, there's just no hope in hell. For you to seriously, eHarmony, look it up, something like that, because it's never going to work out with you two. And so when it got to that point in the story, I it's certainly I know that they were trying to make it so that it would be a kind of a surprise or, you know, you're not quite sure what's going to happen. No, we know. We know. But it, I thought it was well handled. I liked it. 
Okay. So we have all of the primary characters, you know, fulfilling their destinies, doing what the White Lantern wanted them to do, improving their lives in such a way that they become worthy of helping defend the Earth. And that's really what the whole theme of the series was. The White Lantern and uh, I don't I can't call him Dead Man because he wasn't dead. Boston trying to find the defender of Earth. So we get to these last two issues. And the the day issue 23 came out, you could hear the group facepalm from around the world <laughs> when the story reached the, the point we'd been waiting for. And I don't want to say it's bad because I understand what they were doing here. It fits the story quite well. But you have this big, huge buildup with all these iconic characters from DC, characters everybody knows, characters everybody recognizes. And we find out that the whole point of this entire story that we'd been reading for months and months was to bring back a character that hasn't been relevant to the DC universe in several decades. And of course, that's Swamp Thing. And don't get me wrong, I love Swamp Thing, the character, going back um, the Alan Moore stories from back in the day. Really great writing, really good stuff. But it just seemed like it came out of absolutely nowhere. And again, it fit the story they were telling here, but I don't think the character really fit the scale of the event they had set up. I actually disagree. And I'm going to be one of the very few who actually says, I loved it. I really, I actually absolutely loved it. It fit. Who cares how relevant it's been over the years. I mean, they, they've been digging out characters between this and War of Light. They've been digging out characters that haven't been seen, haven't seen the light of day for a long time. No pun intended. Or actually, pun intended. So, I mean, to bring out this one as well, I, and, and the fact that it did fit. So it's one of those, again, you're working on this story. You're having, you know, group session with everybody involved in writing this. You're tossing ideas out. Who's going to be the best fit for this? Who can we do that's going to be an absolute shocker that nobody's going to see coming? Who cares why they don't see it coming, but they're not going to see it coming and it's going to fit. Why not toss this idea out just because it hasn't been he hasn't been used for quite a while just because it's a character that maybe a lot of people don't know or can't relate to or, or whatever. Who the hell cares? It it fits. It fits perfectly. And it is a nice little shock. I absolutely loved it. Well, I think what it comes down to is you have to, to think here. The Blackest Night was such a huge thing for DC. It was way more popular than even they thought it was going to be. It brought them a lot of new fans who had not read DC comics or you know, maybe not read anything outside of maybe the Green Lanterns and whatnot. And it brought them a lot of new fans, and those new fans continued reading Brightest Day. A lot of them didn't read many of the other books, but they, they were into this story. Like, hey, this is cool. I really liked Blackest Night. It was awesome. I'm going to read this. And I, I know several people who, at when reading issue 23, straight up asked me, I didn't know Swamp Thing was a DC character. <laughs> so for all those new fans they picked up, this was, I, I again, but who from cares? Who cares if they, they're wondering whether or not it was a DC character? What the hell? If you're immersed in a story, and if you're not, well, fine. That's the way you read it. If you were going to nitpick every little thing, fine. Be that way. But if you're going to immerse yourself in a story, which by that point, you better damn well have been. I mean, if the writing wasn't good, that's one thing. But again, having read through a freaking 111 issues, you know, by then it was 109. I got to that point and dude, I was sucked in. Okay, right? I'm here for the long haul. This better be 
good payoff. And it was. I'm not thinking, oh, is this a DC character? Or, oh, I don't remember who this is or or whatever. With the exception of one thing, which we'll get to later. But I'm not thinking that. I'm thinking, Jesus, that's cool. That's freaking cool. And not only did it fit, it fit into the, the story they're telling and all that. But visually, it was insane in visually it fit so absolutely perfect it's a shocking big thing i mean there's a lot of dc stories that we read which fall flat on their faces at the end this was huge it was huge it was worth the payoff it just was something that i actually i i loved it i thought it was fantastic see again i didn't not like it i just from a larger picture here dc Let's face it, they they don't have a very large fan base outside of their really core fans. And like I said, this whole event that they've been doing really drew in a new audience for them. And I don't know. I don't know what they could have done instead of Swamp Thing. I'm not saying I have a better idea. I'm just saying I know for a fact that this move lost them a, a, a portion of that new audience they had picked up. I don't know what they could have done better Lizard. for the story because, again, this fit the story – I just know a lot of the the casual fans they had picked up were disappointed by this switch. <laughs> disappointed in what? What did they don't what? ask? Ask them. Don't ask I'm me. I'm asking you. You say you, apparently you know, quote unquote. I got Vince's quotes here. Apparently you know people who didn't like that. Well, what did what didn't they like? Just the fact that they didn't know the character as much. What what is it that they didn't they, like? They they wanted a more a list character to be the 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 final point in the story is what they wanted. They wanted something recognizable, something relatable. That's yeah, just but, what. The casual fans wanted out of the story. If you, yeah, oh, you know what though? The thing with that is that really your A list is your Batman, your Superman, your your Wonder Woman, your your Green Lantern, and those guys. That that's it. I mean, it's not like you've got a huge roster to fall back upon. So that's your A list. So then they want it to be one of those. Well, guess what? You can't have them. They're part of the story, just in different ways. When you're looking at everything that happened in this story arc they brought in characters from like way back they brought in characters the original green lantern they brought in dudes from all over i was reading freaking justice society of america issues here with characters that i'm going who the hell oh great now i'm gonna have to wiki this crap and (laughs) seriously there was people that were all over and when you're looking at even the the A-list characters in the story, as it pertains only to the story. Again, you've got your your booster goal, your fire chick, your ice chick, the 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 uh, all of the the ones from Generation Lost. But even those are at most B-list characters. They're not in terms of DC. They're not your big names. So when you're looking at, okay, we got to end this on a big note. Well, big note. Who are you going to bring out? You've been using B-list characters and even older characters throughout the entire story arc so it's not about you know i i liked it because they didn't pander to that mentality exactly they didn't pander to let's slap batman on a cover because we know he's gonna sell those final issues and make sure the people are locked in which is i mean you go to the comic shop dude he's got freaking two rows of Batman forever, everything Batman everywhere. And I love the character, but what I loved here is that Batman was not one of the big players. Even if when he got the white light ring, he that issue still wasn't all about him. It was about, you know, 
everybody else. And so I like that they drew on other characters and that what was important was the story, the story, not the 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 status of who ends the story arc. That makes yeah. sense, right? I, I, I do want to say to anybody who's listening who maybe was disappointed by this, I, I will say give it a chance because... I like the way it fit into the story. I really can't say anything bad about that. So if you were disappointed, I I think they've got something here that could be very entertaining, especially with the final character that showed up. And this one really excited me because it's Constantine, John Constantine. And still from time to time, I'll check out the actual Hellblazer comic, which DC is publishing under their Vertigo types. press and i still enjoy it it's a very entertaining comic and constantine himself is a very entertaining character so he's tracking around swamp thing and in the story going forward which is cool i like that and i think constantine being back in the core dc universe could be kind of what we're seeing out of uh dr nemesis and phantom x over in the marvel side of things the character that the writers can just have a lot of fun with and tell some really cool interesting stories with him i i really can't wait to see what kind of ideas they're going to come up with putting him back into the core dc lineup and see this brings me right to the main point that i was trying to make as well too which is we have spent countless episodes bitching and complaining that all they're doing is slapping Wolverine on a cover to make sales or all they're doing is putting Deadpool in an issue of something because they need to increase sales and all they're doing is relying on a character's status versus caring about what the story is and they're pandering to marketing what's going to sell issues and here what we're having instead is the story is what is important let's pick the best characters for the stories and not worry about how they fit in i mean yeah batman still played an important role here and it was fun when he came back to his senses and they were like, oh, thank God you're back. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, thank God Batman's all right. And I liked that. And I laughed. But even after that, he wasn't all that important. And I love that. And I love that you barely see Superman throughout all of this and all of those things. I like that Hal Jordan. He's too busy is, walking across Pennsylvania. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Hal Jordan was a minor character. In all of this, I like that. I like that the characters that you cared about were not necessarily the characters that they've used over the years to sell comics. And it was the story that was important. I like the fact that, you know, the, 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 depending on who you talk to, when you're looking at, okay, who were the most important characters? Who were the best characters to read and to enjoy throughout all of this? When you're looking at the brightest day, some people may say, well, you know, Guy Gardner really shone shined in this and it was it was great to see that different side of him and yet i can look at this and i can say you know what the scenes with kilowog were the ones that blew me away those are the Mm -hmm. ones where you saw such a different side and the characterization was so important and seeing that insane amount of of drama there that you can appreciate having seen him through the war of light. Now, I don't know, again, I don't know how much of that they cover in just the brightest day, but throughout all the tie-ins, man, it was just insane. 
And so you had these characters that weren't as important stealing scenes. I mean, in Generation Lost, it wasn't Booster Gold that stole all the scenes. Yeah, he was great. And I hate to say it. Oh, oh my I'm God. sorry. What I, was that? I hate you for this. I Seriously, I hate you for making me like Booster Gold. It, 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 it pisses me off in ways that I cannot even begin to describe. But yes, he did... It was he was fantastic in this, but did he steal the series? No, freaking Rocket Red, Rocket Red. Gavril <laughs> is the one that stole every single panel that he was on. Not only every scene, every panel he was in, he stole. And this is where you can appreciate good writing. It wasn't about okay, who do I give the best lines to based on what their sales are for their independent issues? No, who's the best character? Who's the best character for this line? And it was that way throughout. Yeah, is that Batman? Yes, it is. He's so cool. He's so cool. Yes, yeah. he is. <laughs> <laughs> the scenes between Rocket Red and and uh, Skit, what what's his name? Uh, Skittles. Skeets. Skeets. Yeah, were gold. I mean, just gold. And and actually, any interactions that he had with everybody. And the thing too is that people don't understand when you are writing something that is supposed to be uh, a thrill a minute on the edge of your seat, reading, can't wait to get to the next page kind of thing it's very very delicate to put humor in there in a way that it's not going to completely derail what you're trying to accomplish with the 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 the, the suspense otherwise and here we have an insane amount of suspense throughout everything it just doesn't stop and the little moments of of brevity the little little quips here and there the the the, they made all the difference they kind of settled you down and they were perfectly timed and they were damn funny so again it was it was fantastic writing that pandered to the story not the characters yeah and i mean it's right there in the title this is the start of a new day for dc and i really hope they follow up on a lot of the momentum that they've established here because let's face it every well i don't want to say every but just about every good thing i can think of from dc over the years has been followed up with a phenomenal belly flop so I really hope they take all the good stuff they've established here, all the C-list characters that they've promoted up into the top tier and really do something with them. And we're, we're, I would just really need to touch on uh, the Generation Lost series real quick. Um, can't give it as much time as I would have liked, but it was publishing in the alternate weeks from Brightest Day. So like I said, every week DC was giving me something to read, and that's not a common thing for me when it comes to that company. And between the two... Ultimately, I enjoyed Generation Lost a lot more. I just thought it, it a lot of that has to do with the fact that it was more of one cohesive story instead of the several other stories that came together. And again, I loved all the characters here uh, Booster Gold, Captain Adam, Fire Ice, Rocket Red, and Jaime Rias, the new Blue Beetle. And then with other more prominent characters showing up later. And it just told a really solid story. And it takes these characters that have been joke characters to the DC universe for years. Whenever they wanted to bring in a hero to make the A-list hero look better, they brought in one of these guys. So seeing them really become heroes, and not just become heroes, to have Batman say, you guys did the right thing. You went out there when nobody would support you. You fought the true evil in the world when nobody else would believe you. And then he puts up that great, well, Conceptually great, aesthetically not, insignia at the end of the last uh, issue showing us oh. <laughs> that these characters are going to be coming back in the ongoing Justice League International comic. 
I was ecstatic because I was really hoping that they were going to do this and they did. (laughs) I'm so glad that this cool team of fun, great characters that have been elevated to a status that some of them really deserve. Again, Booster Gold has been phenomenally well-written for the last couple years now. So he really deserves to be in a book with Justice League on the title. I'm really looking forward to what they're going to be doing in that one going forward. They're, yeah, each of those characters is, they're doing a good job with them and they're doing a good job in terms of um, the relationships between them as well, which is important. I mean, that's something that we just discussed with X-Force, how important it is to, when you're writing, to write about not just the characters, but also the relationship between the characters. And that's something that we saw in Generation Lost. The thing with Generation Lost is that it was a story that, despite the the complexity and the scope, the, the bouncing all over the planet, it was still something that we can relate to a lot more than the Green Lanterns exploring an unknown space, you know? I mean, so mm-hmm. this is something that we can relate to more. We can we can understand more. We can we can we can enjoy more. But on top of that, there was a ton of suspense with the uh, all the, the the mind wipe from from Max Lord and all of the false starts throughout. Whenever they think they've got them, they don't really. And how is it finally? How do you take down someone like this? And it was just very well grounded. And yet you had these moments where, again, what the hell's his name? Adam? What the hell's his name? Adam? Captain Adam. Captain Adam. Yeah, there you go. So when Captain Adam is sucking up all the, the, the power from a, an explosion, which apparently there's a lot of them all over the place if you're in the Justice League, <laughs> dude. Um, but when he's he's taking them all and then that transports him to another time, which, okay, I'm not quite getting the scientific logistics of that, but we'll roll with it. Go with it. <laughs> but those moments, as we said earlier, were amazing. They were just one of those like jaw-dropping fun Times to read. Wish there was a ton more. I mean, when he meets up with Kara in the first one and she's like so old and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, my God. And I'm thinking, oh, roll with it, please, please. More dialogue. Give me more here. I, I want more. And same thing with the the Justice League, future Justice League, too. I was thinking, oh, God, I would have loved to have seen so much more of that. But I think that it was it was far more accessible. And what happens, too, is that, again, you're rooting for the underdogs. So here you've got these characters that are, in some cases, like with Rocket Red, just a joke, but prove themselves through their actions throughout the series, same as as the Beatle. I mean, really, like, I really came to love that character towards the end. They did such a good job writing him. So I think that's a lot of what really stood out with Generation Lost. Yeah. So... I, again, between the well, again, you you don't really have uh, you can't separate the two. So I was I was going to ask oh, you which dude. one you preferred, but for you, oh, it was just one big long story. It was a big story. Again, if I'm looking at the separate stories, then and if I was only going to choose one, then yeah, Generation Loss. But there's so many things that occur in Generation Loss that specifically have to do with Brightest Day that 
I would find it very hard to read it and be able to appreciate the scope of what is actually happening because you haven't gotten all of the, the tides. I mean, seriously, I read, uh, I'm looking through the list here just to quickly. I've got some Green Lantern Core. I got the Brightest Day, of course, Generation Lost. I've also got some Flash issues. I've also got the Justice League of America, Titan Villains for Hire. We got uh... Adam Special. We got uh, the Flash again. We got Titans. We've got, what else? I've got Birds of Prey, tons of Birds of Prey, which were actually good. I mean, way too much ass. Whoever was drawing that, come on, seriously. Um, and we've got the Green Arrow stuff, too. Because so much of the resolution has to do with that forest, if you haven't read the Green Arrow stuff, which is he's protecting that forest, he's the one, he's, you know, it's it's so important to the story to have followed that. I don't know how you can appreciate that ending without having read the green arrows. So again, it's, it's, there were so many of those tie-ins that for the first time, I'm thinking each and every one of them fit. They were fantastic to read and they really brought out the power of the other two stories. I just love how after all these years, they finally just said, screw it. We're actually making the green arrow into Robin hood. Yeah, basically. Yeah. (laughs) So there, there's, there's a lot of great stuff out there and it, it kind of saddens me that I was, Looking at the sales numbers of, of month to month, the brightest day was outselling Generation Lost. I think it was more than two to one. So there's a lot of people out there who didn't look at Generation Lost. And I, I just have to say, collected editions are out there. I highly recommend this. It's one of the best DC titles I've read in the last couple of years, let's just say. Uh, up there with, say, Batman Beyond as far as how much I've been enjoying it. Yeah, so, it's it's definitely worth getting. And if if people can get their hands on the, the tie-ins, if there's any collected works that'll have everything, seriously, this is one of those few occasions where it's worth reading every single tie-in. It actually is. All right. Well, that was interesting. I I, I don't remember the last time I've quite spoken so highly of uh of DC. So that that's good. We get a lot of Marvel on here. We get a lot of the other stuff. We don't talk I mean, about DC that often, so it, it's good that we found something that we really loved from them. It wasn't all good. Let's be very honest here. And, sure. and I'm going to bring up here on the screen what was not uh, good because... The best character in the history of the DC universe? It, it, there's there's absolutely no reason for this. The, the I Good Kitty... <laughs> <laughs> this story at the end of Green Lantern number 55 for any Dexter fans. You not love that face. Oh my God, dude. I, 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 you know what? I knew it was coming when I'm seeing, <laughs> when I'm seeing them at the end and atrocious is like, would atrocious, atrocious, really seriously. Anyways, and he's, Petting the cat. This dude that <laughs> spews blood, kills everything in its wake, merciless. And he's petting this cat that's purring. And I'm thinking, oh, God. And sure enough, we have a little mini story at the end there with, with Dexter and how he became Dexter. And I'm thinking, oh, I I have nothing but rage for this kitty. I do <laughs> I wish I had my red power ring because I would put it on right now and I'd be, I hate you, Kenny. You suck. So, yes, that that was that was the one glaring bad thing in this series. That was one of those things. And I remember reading an interview. uh, 
during the Rage of the Red Lanterns. I forget which artist did that. He said, like, what's up with the cat? And he said, I just wanted to come up with the absolute strangest thing I could draw, vomiting blood. So I came up with this cute little cat. And the fans just latched onto it. I mean, you can't fault DC for giving the fans what they want. And Dexstar is awesome. It's not. It's not. He was maybe he was awesome while he's playing with his little ball of yarn and he's comforting the stupid girl that, you know, he's got no life, you know. Yeah, she gets killed. But anyways, and and so but but the freaking ring on the tail thing, like, oh, <laughs> dude, like, oh, man, I can't I'm believe sure. you hate kittens. You're a terrible person. I don't hate kittens. I hate Dexstar. He's not a good kitty. He's going to kill somebody. Freaking kitties don't kill. All right. Well, looking at what we've actually got coming out this week now uh, from Marvel Comics, we have the usual uh, solid lineup from them. We have Amazing Spider-Man 661, Astonishing X-Men 38, which is actually telling a completely different story from what we saw in 37 for whatever. For goofy publishing reasons, they're going to be telling alternating stories and alternating issues. Uh, Seriously? why, yeah. why not just tell your fans, don't give us your money anymore? We already know you're not going to buy this. It's not going to make sense. It's going to be bouncing all over the place. Keep your money. But the thing is, I really like, uh, which, who's writing this one? Is that the Christos Gage one? Or Chris Yost? Which, I forget which our, our, uh, writer is doing this one. Either Christos Gage or Chris Yost. I, I like both of the writers, and the other one is writing an X-Men issue that we're talking about later. So based on the strength of the writer, I'm going to at least check out this issue. We have Avengers number 13, Avengers Academy 14, Generation Hope number 7, which I've actually been enjoying these last few issues, Herc number 3, Heroes for Hire number 7, and I know you hate the series, Roger, but I will say anybody who really wasn't into it when it first started, give issue 6 a chance. I think issue 6 was a better first issue for this comic than issue 1 was. We have Hulk 33, Invincible Iron Man 504, Thunderbolts 157, Ultimate Avengers versus New Ultimates 4, and of course going with it, Ultimate Spider-Man 158, Uncanny X-Force number 10, X-Factor 219, and as I was talking about before, X-Men Giant Size number 1, which is starting a new storyline over in the adjectiveless X-Men title. I, I, I've got that one on order. Actually, I've got I've got too many on order here that I'm picking up on Saturday. Um, you know what? I'm finding it hard at this point, knowing that we still have months, you know, before the death of mm-hmm. Spider-Man. It's really losing its appeal now. It's just one of those, yeah, I'll pick up the series, but I'm really not invested anymore. I don't know. I don't know if you're feeling the same way. I mean, the last issue was a blast. I have a feeling this one will be too, but I still know that we've still got yet another and yet another. And then, oh, who cares? There's going to be another Spider-Man anyway at the end. That's why a lot of fans these days just wait for the collected editions to come out. With the internet, you know months and months and months in advance what stories are coming out. So you know when you pick up an issue, it's not going to mean anything for several more months. So you might as well just wait and read them all at once and – that's just the trend where the buying is going. A lot of people prefer the collected editions instead of issue to issue. Personally, I prefer the collected editions myself just because they look better on the shelf. Sorry, that's me. <laughs> and then rounding out from DC, uh, I've got Batman and Robin 23 and Thunder Agents number seven. Anything to add in there? Nope. 
Okay. So that's going to wrap us up here on issue 26 of Comic Book Informer. Please check us out, comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CBinformer. Roger, we finally have our iTunes issues sorted out, correct? Yes, we do. So if you do a search for Comic Book Informer on iTunes, we're there. Please leave us reviews because we lost different things when we went from the other stuff. So we need reviews. We need good reviews, too. If you got bad reviews, don't leave them. No, I'm just kidding. But leave us some reviews. Leave some words. We want to know what you think. All right. And uh, and we have some interesting stuff coming up as well. (laughs) Tomorrow is the interview with Janet Lee, who did the artwork for Return of the Dapper Man. So I'm very, very much looking forward to actually sitting down and talking to her tomorrow. Unfortunately, I will not be able to make that interview due to work reasons, but I definitely look forward to listening to it. So we will see everybody next week. Uh, Check out the interview is going to be a separate episode on iTunes, correct? Yes, it will. We're actually going to make that as issue number 27. All right. So we will see everybody next week with issue 28. And looks like you got a lot of great listening coming up from us on iTunes. We'll see you then. And of course, just as at the end is when your audio just went ballistic on us. I I know because I was getting ad now. Sorry, that's my bad. Yes, yes, y'all. It's too fresh, y'all. A little b-boy blue. You know it's too buku. Were you eating your mic? No, I was moving it. Jesus, Joe. Comes back after of three all weeks of missing. You you be quiet this week. That's what you got to do. I love that freaking the big finale, the logo, Justice League International. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. Was, it's hideous. That's one. <laughs> you think with all the money that he has to buy all the crap in that bad cave, he could hire you know somebody to do an actual graphic design that doesn't look like crap. It killed me when I saw that. I was going, oh my god. Yeah, he's taking a page out of my book. Yeah, basically. I, well, I was thinking, Jesus, Vince could have done better. Than that. <laughs> <laughs> Running late, but I had to get that picture or the the issue. With that stupid Dexter. Dexter. Stupid cat. I love the cat. I hate the cat. How could you hate a cute little kitty like that? Oh, he's cute when he's in a box (laughs) with the dude with the bandaged up eye. What the hell is that all about? But when you slap a freaking rage power ring on him and he's spewing blood, I are good kitty. Oh my God. Come on. Seriously. (laughs) Dexter, I are good kitty. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. gonna hold that red ring over you dude i still haven't received it until i do i don't believe that he sent it (laughs) he didn't send it he didn't even put the freaking postal code heaven forbid you know a postal code what's that letters you see your mailman walking around with it (laughs) yeah (laughs) a little bit of blood on everybody's envelopes (laughs) (laughs) joe our volumes are coming in all right <laughs> Sorry if I cut you off there. You tend to take it, forever it, it anyway. Was right there. <laughs> Just, you take forever anyways. Well, so. I, I, I take a second, double check. I have the right issue number. <laughs> Loud and clear. Okay. I won't interrupt this time then. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. Perhaps. 
And I'm so glad you liked Generation Lost. I'm I'm I, I'm very glad I got you to admit that you liked Booster. <laughs> you know what? It was funny because I'm reading it, and as I'm reading, I'm going, "Damn him! Damn him!" <laughs> <laughs> you bastard! Ha! I am on Justice <laughs> <Yeah>. League, Bombfist. <laughs> Come, come, come. 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 Come